0: Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S Y L V A N 29.com.
1: Out of Structure. Let's do it. We have time to run Wolf. If it's first and ten, Wolf for our. Any distance, down in distance,
0: I don't care. The game is over, and the Chiefs' kingdom has firmly planted its flag on top of football's highest summit. And Chiefs' kingdom, get ready to welcome your champions.
1: Let's do it.
2: Welcome, Chiefs' kingdom, to another edition of the Out of Structure Podcast. I'm Matt Stagner here with Ron Cobb Jr., my guy, as always, on the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network. We appreciate you tuning in to talk about another Chiefs victory. Maybe it's uh, maybe it's one of those that, that people are underestimating how important and how big of a win this was. This was a massive deal uh, to come away uh, from Frankfurt with a win this week. Uh, how are you feeling about it, Ron?
1: Yeah, the international trip, coming home happy, that flight. A lot better, probably, after a win. I imagine after a loss, that's uh, that flight feels a lot, a lot longer. Uh, probably a pretty fun plane ride, right, I gotta imagine, after a win. But yeah, 21 14 over the Dolphins Stags. Um, definitely looked like it was gonna be, you know, a, an exciting game right off the bat. I mean, it wasn't an exciting game, but just in terms of high flying offense, you know, we thought maybe the Chiefs' offense woke up first drive. But, you know, they got it done. And, I, and, and it, there were some exciting plays. I mean, that, that the fumble recovery pitch to Brian cook and Brian, how about Brian cook sprinting down the side? Yeah. That was, that was one of the, that was a, one of the most enjoyable plays I can remember uh, in the last few years, Uh this chief's defense making. I
2: mean, absolutely. That was- That's early candidate for play of the year for this. Yeah. Team oh all yeah. Around. And yes, I was, sh- I was shocked by the speed uh, of Brian cook. When, when right? he was moving, those legs were up high and high uh, knees. he was flying down and, he was timed at the the fastest ball carrier for the Chiefs this year, uh, was Brian Cook on a on a pitch fumble recovery from Tyreek Hill to the guy that they drafted with the draft picks uh, that they received in that trade, Trent McDuffie. So that was a uh, that was really a poetic way for this defense to say, "Hey, we're part of this team." And we're an important part of this team. And, in fact, we might carry this team. In a lot of ways, that was the difference in this game is the way that defensive play, that one play right there, technically was the difference in the game. Right? Yeah, They put them they put them in the lead that they never gave up. But also, when you get down to that final drive on, on offense and the Chiefs are forced to punt, with time left on the clock, there's been Chiefs teams in the past that that was – you yeah, know, that was 100%. a heartburn, right? Like that was really concerning. When the when the Dolphins got the ball back on that last drive, it was almost comical how little chance they had.
1: Yeah, let's just. Defense. Yeah, let's just like I do the final the game recap for the site. Let's just say I wasn't I wasn't like worried about having to like scramble and change kind of the you know what what the narrative was. You know, some writers, you know, obviously at the end of the game something changes. You got to change your entire like lead in like, how it works like. I was really worried about it. I, I, I knew the, I, I had confidence the Chiefs defense was going to lock it down. Um, and, and it was a huge win. No, you, you mentioned it. I mean, they're seven and two now going into the bye week. I think it's important to kind of, you know, look at the, the, the AFC at this point because they're going into the bye week. Uh, tied with the Ravens for the best record in the AFC at seven and two. Um, but there's also, you know, the Jaguars have two losses. Uh, you know, the Dolphins went back down to three losses, but they're right there obviously having that head to head is huge over them, but it, it, you know, they're obviously comfortable in the division, right? I mean, the chargers did win on Monday night, they got to four and four, um, but they're still, you know, they have three more wins than the chargers, uh, two less Mm -hmm. losses, but I don't know. I, you know, when you're looking at the big picture, I mean, this win was important, but man, it would have been nice to win that Denver game last week too, uh, to be eight and one with, you know, clear, you know, having the, you know, being over everybody with a better record, but, it still was a big win to, to get this one, but uh, but yeah, I, I don't know. I there's a lot of there's a lot of competi- uh, competition to AFC at the top.
2: Absolutely, and this that's why I, I agree. This is one of the biggest games that that when they lost last week at Denver, we really had this feeling of like, oh no, because yeah, you can't go on a losing streak heading into the two toughest games uh, of the season. They really very easily could have been sitting at at six and four when this whole thing is done, right? Like, after next week. Absolutely. And that allows the rest of the division to catch up. That puts you out of contention for the the number one seed, more than likely. Like, this was a stretch of the season that they really needed a win, and that Broncos loss took away any margin for error here. They they could not afford to lose these three games in a row. And now – You know, now the Philly game is obviously looming large, but this Miami game was critical in avoiding a really, really ugly situation and an absolute must-win next week against Philly. They can this this next week could go either way, uh, and we'll get to this. We actually had a question this week asking us to predict the rest of the seasons. We're going to do that uh, as this podcast goes on, but uh, this really allowed them to maintain their position in the division, in the conference, and some momentum heading into a really, really challenging game coming up against Philly. Yeah, because it's
1: Philly, and then it's two road games. Uh, you know, Raiders and Packers, both, you know, low, lowly teams this year. But then you got the Bills at home, who, you know, I know they're struggling this year, too. Their defense is banged up and, and definitely doesn't look good. But, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's still Josh Allen. It's still going to be a very good game. The Bengals at home, you know, soon after that, And so, yeah. And, and, and when you compare that to a team that they aren't playing this year at the top of the AFC with them, the Ravens, they have, they have a pretty nice stretch down the, down the end of the year. Now they obviously are going to be playing, you know, some of their AFC North foes, uh, you know, the, the Bengals and the Browns, but you know, they play the Rams, they play the Steelers to end the season. Although, okay. They do have some tough games down the stretch, you know, Jaguars, Niners, Dolphins, but at that two, at that two losses, man, um, you know, not having that head to head to kind of break them either. Like it would have been real nice to only have one loss right now. You'd be feeling really good about, again, Arrowhead Invitational all the way through to the Super Bowl. But, you know, the Ravens are really good. I mean, they've blown out, you know, two really good teams. And You know, I shouldn't say the Seahawks are really good. The Lions are a very good team and, and to, to handle them the way they did was impressive. It's going to be tough to, to, to you know, for Baltimore to, to kind of take like they're going to be winning some games. And so the chiefs are Mm -hmm. chiefs are going to have to keep winning too. And Jacksonville is going to keep winning too. They're the ones kind of with maybe a lighter schedule down the stretch. You know, they're, you know, they're playing the NFC South teams they are playing, you know, Houston Texans, obviously have looked good this year, but you know, still, you know, kind of a beatable team. The Titans twice, they still get to play. The Chiefs, yeah, there's a chance, you know, if the Chiefs don't handle their business down the stretch, that, you know, teams like the Jaguars and Ravens could outlast them and get a better seeding.
2: So this was a critical win. Let's talk a little bit more about what we saw on the field uh, against Miami over there in Germany um what are some of the things that you you took away from the game as you did the the instant breakdown so I want to start let's start with the
1: play calling in terms of we come we see and I mentioned it at the top we come out right at the gate right and boom Chiefs score a touchdown excuse me and it was it was it was awesome I mean first play of the game well-designed play uh you're gonna fake the rollout right or you're gonna yeah fake the rollout right he is rolling out right but he's throwing back to his left up the seam it's actually MBS he's gonna He's going to start on the right side of the formation. He's going to act like he's blocking, and then he's going to kind of leak out late. Um, So it was a design play. Andy loves to do that. Uh, He's actually done it – that might have been the third time I I can remember him doing that on the first play of the game where it's a a play action, roll right, and then it's a uh, thrown vertical to the left leak. It's kind of – it is a staple of him in a big game, especially, to do that. And that's why I kind of wanted to mention this is – I think it was clear that Andy, you know, put a little more juice, put a little more uh, preparation into the opening script this week. And uh, John Dixon actually, uh, our our great uh, deputy editor at the site, uh, at the editor show too, he mentioned this on the show and I wanted to kind of build off his point. You know, he was mentioning like, hey, you know, the opening script, you know, a lot of times isn't even meant to like score a touchdown. It's meant to set up the rest of the game, right? It's meant to, you know, hey, how's the defense going to react to this formation? How's the defense going to react when we do this? You see that a lot of times with the Chiefs when they just, and a lot of times it's, it's easy to see because they just run inside zone RPO, you know, right off the bat, you know, just a basic look, first down. They're just trying to see how they're going to react to it. This was not that, though. This was Andy want, needing, wanting to score, building a a script to attack, you know, in ways that he felt like he could attack Miami. I mean, we had Sky Moore coming out of the backfield in that third and short, clearly caused a disruption, and, and he was wide open to convert the first down. And then obviously, you know, they they had the touchdown of Justin Watson got dropped, but that was, you know, he was, uh, you know, designed to, to get open. So all that to say, I just, I, I think Andy clearly put a little more oomph into this offense and it was good to see, but then it, it went away right after that, like the offense went back to being uh, too two, uh, stalling, uh, you know, not enough scoring. They had the 195 yard drive, which was highlighted by a lot of runs. That was good, you know, see them kind of lean on the ground game a little bit. And then obviously it kind of finished off with a blown coverage by Miami. But again, yeah, like it was a blown coverage. Jerk McCann was left wide open. No one covered him and, and he just waltzed in. So that's the thing, man. And and to finish my play calling point, you know, it, 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 was, it showed me at the end of the game that maybe, you know, the in game play calling is a little shaky because I didn't like the third down call. It's third and short you run a play action where Mahomes completely turns his back to the defense on third and short. So he's completely taking his eyes off the defense. He, he no longer can see, you know, what defense, how they're reacting, if they're crashing or what. And then he has to quickly turn back around and find the open receiver. And they took it away. Like it was a good play on the defense. But to me, like that is just kind of, you're just you either, and I kind of mentioned this in my article, but either overthought it or underthought it. I don't know which one, but I just really don't, like that play call in that situation either you know trust your guys to get it on the ground or give Mahomes the ability to read the defense the entire time don't make him turn his back to the defense on a in a in a play where everyone's going to be going quick so that's that's where I'm gonna to hand it back to you and and ask you how you felt the offense played because I I really like what I saw from the opening script but man I think there's just something about the in-game flow that they just cannot get into
2: yeah, I mean, you would have liked to have seen them put something together in the second half to close it out on offense. Uh, again, I was very impressed with how the defense closed it out. But the the offense really floundered, and it, and it wasn't – to me, it's a little bit hard to put your finger on exactly why.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think there's still some of that inefficiency from the wide receivers that we call out. Uh there were some issues on the offensive line this week. And I think you pointed some of those out. I'd like to hear a little bit more about that. I, For me, it was, it was a little frustrating to watch in the second half. You still felt like they had control of this game. And I think they probably did take their foot off the gas or maybe take their, their eye off the ball a little bit when it comes to, if we're going to use multiple analogies there, but <laughs> they focused a little bit less in the second half or executed a little bit more poorly in the second half. So I don't know if it was play calling or execution, if it was offensive line or, uh, you know, or just missed opportunities, but, but they certainly have some of the same problems that they've had all season that came up in that second half that they'll still have to figure out at some point. Uh, otherwise the defense is going to have to carry them all season.
1: No, it's a, it's, it's a good point about the offensive line because I, I don't want to necessarily say, yeah, like the entire reason the offense was stalled was the play calling. I, I shouldn't have framed it that way. Um, it's just, I do think the play calling needs to be more emphasized, more focused to help out the talent on the offense. And I think, yeah, the offensive line is one of is is, is is included in that. I we've been joking in our group chats, like we haven't really had to think about like how you know how good the offensive line, especially the interior, I should say, the interior offensive line is playing, right? Like, hey, we know Trey Smith, Creed Humphrey, and Joe Tooney are the best in football. Why do we need to truly like tune into how how well they're playing but when you really when you really take a closer look at it man I I do think Tooney is starting to maybe show some age in terms of not um he's he's never been an overwhelming player right but he's never been a player that ever you know he 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 holds his own right like and that's why he's been so good throughout his career but maybe he's just not holding his own as much in terms of a a, you know just in an individual rep and maybe getting you know kind of moved around a little more because he is a smaller offensive lineman I mean, I just think you know Creed Creed uh, may not be playing the best. I still think Trey Smith is is is, is playing uh, some good football, um, but I do think they're just struggling, Stags, to on especially on pass downs. To is it communication? Is it just you know not not getting their eyes around? But you know these stunts, these pass rushes that teams are running at them, where they'll the the, the inside rusher will. You know, uh, run at the inside tack, the inside shoulder of the offensive tackle, and the edge rusher will kind of loop around and and into the inside. You know, good offensive lines should be able to pick those up, um, and it just seems like the Chiefs are just not doing it. And you know, some of the blame, you know, sometimes on a, on an individual play could be on Mahomes. There's there's times where Mahomes moves into the looper, you know, and 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 that is true. Like there's no doubt about it. Mahomes could definitely set up his lineman more. But at the same time, you're still seeing some of that, and that's just not a good sign. Um, and and that is on top of the offensive tackles really needing help, um, especially I, – I shouldn't say both. I, I think Donovan Smith needs more help than than Jawan Taylor in pass protection, but he does, and we haven't even seen the best of pass rushers they're going to get. So, you know, I, I do think over the bye week, I, I think the offensive line needs to look themselves in the mirror. You know, it's supposed to be one of the best in the league. I don't think they're playing like it right now. And so I think – I don't know. That's not necessarily something you can change – schematically right i think that is more of an attitude mentality thing um and, and and i think the scheme should help them more but like this offensive line themselves just
2: need to play better yeah you know we did have high expectations for this group and maybe some of it you would think early in the season could be these guys are learning to play together not, there's two new tackles in the same off season. you know that that does change things or different style different you know, and obviously, you went through all the stuff with Jawan Taylor early on in the season. When it comes to penalties, right. and and really in maybe a lack of confidence in his alignment and his get off, and all of that stuff was called into question. That seems to have calmed down a little bit, but there's still too many penalties on the offensive mm-hmm. line. Uh, Donovan Smith had a couple this week on the same drive. Those are things that can really kill you. And and yeah, when it comes to picking up stunts, that communication across the line, that that ability to to step in there and, and work together seamlessly. It should be coming together by now. And and it almost feels like defenses maybe have seen something in, in this offensive line and they're starting to exploit it a little bit more than they did early in the season. Mahomes generally covers up a lot of that stuff, right? Like he he takes less sacks than just about anybody else. He might still be the the least sacked quarterback in the NFL or, or close to it. Um, Had two sacks this week you know, but there's, you know, one of those was that fumble. Um, There's just been a lot of, there's been a lot of plays where he helps out the offensive line and avoids a sack. And maybe in that, in that vein, we tend to overlook some plays that weren't blocked up very well.
1: Right, exactly. No, I, I think that, that, that is the the right point to make because I I do think sometimes he, runs into, you know, he kind of, the way he moves does maybe sometimes allow the rusher to take a different angle. And then it looks like, okay, well, he just beat the offensive lineman when maybe, you know, where Mahomes is, it just kind of, you know, worked out that way. But at, on the flip side, there are a lot of times where, yeah, Mahomes, you know, completely completely you know, makes us forget that Donovan Smith just got beat bad or, or you know, uh, com- you know, yeah, overcomes the fact that, you know, uh someone, yeah, Trey Smith just got. So, yeah, I, I just... I I do think the offensive line in general could play better. Um, But I think, and I think that needs to be married with uh, just more, more focused play calling more, uh, you know, intentional play calling. Andy loves to kind of just run run his stuff and, and kind of beat you with it. Uh, But I think if they want to, if they want to have the arrowhead invitation, like I said, if they want to go through the AFC uh, you know, if they want the AFC to go through arrowheaded, they don't have any margin for error the rest of the season. So they will have to step it up in terms of the play calling.
2: Yeah. When it comes to running the ball, I mean, you you saw Pacheco. I think Pacheco's been pretty good this season. Mm -hmm. And I don't know that the numbers bear that out as much, but when you watch him play, you know, he's still finding extra yards. He's still running with a tremendous amount of energy and enthusiasm, you know, but he's also still not getting a a huge amount of carries, 16 carries this week. This would have been one of those games where you'd want to lean on him a little bit more, um, you know, especially with, Fly Edwards alaire being out, McKinnon, P. Ryan each got one carry. So on the ground, it's really Pacheco and Mahomes. And you know, I don't know how the run blocking has been, uh, but Pacheco still averaged four yards a carry, but it wasn't really able to break off too much. So I, I don't, I don't know that the run game has been what it could be. Yeah. And I think that balance makes a big difference when it comes to how this offense looks.
1: No, it's a, they had the one drive that, yeah, they leaned on it with Pacheco and they went 95 yards and it was great. But yeah, besides that, and it's been, you know, I made this, I had the stat uh, before the game actually, and it blew my mind. Um, And shout out Nate Christensen. He, he kind of mentioned it on our film room and, and, in our, and and he's wrote about it, but how just the run blocking has, has been, has been bad. And, you know, I, I didn't realize how bad it was. They had the worst rush uh, EPA per play on rush plays. Since since week five, which is the game after Pacheco's big uh, game in New York. So after that game, they have been the worst rushing team in the NFL and par- by EPA, which just, which is a pretty good efficiency metric. Um, yeah. uh, I, I use it um, the most. So it's just – it is something that it's not just one thing or the other. Um, I, think, I think a lot of things factor into it, obviously, because I do think Pacheco has taken a step in, in some ways, but he still doesn't have the lateral – uh you know movement skills that you know it does require in, in a lot of zone zone blocking schemes to really get the most out of them. You really do need to be able to go, you know, completely horizontally very quickly. And, and he's you know he's very rigid in, in in that sense. He's gotten much better at being patient, letting things open up for him, taking the right lanes, you know, not um, not misreading things and hitting it when it's there. And, and that's what he's good at. But I think they I think I think Jarek McKinnon maybe isn't the change of pace back that he has been the last couple of years. I, I, he doesn't have the same kind of step and on, on the, on the zone runs. I think he's still a very uh, valuable back on pass downs, but specifically when he's getting handoffs, I I think they need to, I, and, and obviously the answer isn't 25 behind him, but, uh, but yeah, they, they need, they need a little more juice uh, from one of the backs and, and I don't know where it's coming from, unfortunately.
2: Yeah. Maybe some of that is, is play calling as well. I mean, if, if. Exactly maybe you deviate a little bit more from those zone plays if that's not his strength. And and when they've done that, I feel like they've been pretty successful. So uh, we'll get to also, as we close this thing out in the second half of this, we're going to talk a little bit about our suggestions for the second half of the season. Clearly the chiefs care a lot about what we think. And our opinion is probably going to mold what happens in the second half of this season. And so we're going to make sure that we get that out there. So, uh, Andy Reid and company can can take a look at what we think should happen and, and make sure that it does happen.
1: Well, what winners losers? Should we should we go over your winners losers? Because um, I mean, we haven't talked about the defense yet. I mean, that's that's really bad, Stag. That's that's real bad on us. Um, <laughs> no, the is,
2: defense, we talk, yeah, we talked
1: about this. Could all
2: been in the winners category this week, and, and it, it really it really was a, a defensive uh, victory this week. Again, especially with that one big play. Uh, that's going to be the the highlight reel. We're going to be watching that thing for years. Uh, that touchdown return, but you know that again was forced by Trent McDuffie. Uh, that featured three of the Chiefs' defensive backs all working together in, in a way that that was it was pretty cool to watch. McDuffie, Edwards, uh, and Cook uh, all three handle the ball on that that particular play. Uh, so I think you got a, a great performance. Not just on that play, but across the board from the from the secondary. Trent McDuffie has been just phenomenal against the run, against the pass. Everything. Um, <laughs> blitzing. Like there's there's nothing that guy can't do. Uh, I think he's putting together what should be an all pro, you know, Pro Bowl type performance uh on this season, which is uh pretty pretty cool to see for the second year player.
1: No, it it really is, man. I I mentioned it on Twitter, but like I cannot remember someone being this productive at forcing fumbles by just being a fundamentally clean tackler. Like mm-hmm. he's just putting his helmet on the ball. That's all he's yeah. doing. Um, and, and, and I know he can, of, of yeah, and that leads the league. I think uh, actually let me check while we're talking, but no, I, I, he, he kind of got his arm in there a little bit, but this dude just form tackles so hard, so well, and the ball mm-hmm. just has popped out every time. It's amazing. And it's something that, you know, I just I really thought we were just going to get a blue chip cover guy, and he was just going to be oh hey he's got some salt he's he's a solid tackler like okay that that's good. The more time goes on, the more it's it's become clear that Trent McDuffie is just one of the best playmakers at cornerback in the NFL. I mean, it's just amazing um, to see him progress in that sense. And it, it is
2: different when when he hits a when he hits a running back or a receiver. Exactly, I mean it hits different. It, he, I know. he moves I know. different. He closes, and yeah, the 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 form on his tackles and the power that he hits with for his size is, is, is pretty, pretty fun to watch.
1: Right. He's like, yeah, he, you would, he hits like Le'Jarius Sneed and he's, mm-hmm. you know, 20 pounds lighter, probably. Um, okay. He does lead the NFL, all players and force fumbles. He is tied with two other players stags. He is tied with miles Garrett and Bradley Chubb. Edge rushers. <laughs> Those right. are the only two, uh, only other players that have forced as many fumbles this year as Trent McDuffie. This dude is peanut Tillman. With his helmet. He's not punching it out. It's not the peanut punch. It's the McDuffie headbutt. That, that's, <laughs> that, that's terrible.
2: <laughs> yeah, what, whatever it is, whatever it is, we'll take it. Uh, the McDuffie Dome. McDuffie Dome. Boom. Hey, you know, let, we can actually just jump to Jake Wilson's question. Which defensive back contribution to that one play was most impressive? McDuffie, Edwards, or Cook? Who were you most impressed by on that one play?
1: Honestly, give me Edwards. The 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 heads up to to get to make that play turn into a touchdown. I mean, uh, I know it's probably been said, you know, by everybody, but I mean, it's not like the Chiefs offense was guaranteed to score there if, if they just got the ball back. And and I mean, that was that that was the game deciding touchdown, as you mentioned. So I I I'm gonna give it to Edwards, you know, being heads up, being that honey badger light. That's how I put it on Twitter right after. You know, I it, you know for my draft nerds out there listening, like I know y'all remember he he definitely got those comps as a draft as a draft prospect, um and that's why he wears thirty two. He's he's a big fan of his, and you know, or uh, when he, when he was in college, he wore thirty two, and uh, so it's just kind of interesting. You know, now he's on the former, you know, Tyrone's former team, and he's he's looking like honey badger out there with with some of these plays he's making, just being a ball hawk.
2: You know, I I have to give it to Brian Cook. I did not. See that coming the Fairly. way he ran down the field, uh, the speed that he hit with that you know when he hit that extra gear, he erased two really good angles that that the uh, Miami players had. Uh, it looked like they could have easily closed on him, and he just blew past them uh, with again with the high legs and the yeah. I mean that was that was fun. Um, so you know I hate to take anything away from McDuffie because he <laughs> made the play. Held held him up long enough to strip the yeah, ball on that one. That was no that was no you know coincidence or accident on his part. But but yeah, all all three parts of that were awesome. Uh, but it wasn't just the defensive backs this week. Now the pass rush wasn't elite this week, partially because of the the way that Tua gets the ball out so quick. But the linebackers were pretty damn good. Once again, uh, I gave Willie Gay the nod in the winners and losers list. But you could have put Drew Tranquil in there. You could have put uh Willie Gay. I mean, you could have Leo Shadow on there as well. Yeah. Like they, they all played really, really well. And and for this group to be what it is this is, at this point in the season, uh, it is is pretty incredible.
1: <clears throat> yeah, no, I, I was really I highlighted the early down defense, you know, the defense on first and second down for the site because you know, obviously the big takeaway from this game was oh miami was started zero for six on third down and, and finished three for 12 and you know they couldn't you know obviously once they get in third down you know to a you know he can't get in you know he can't be in a design pathway he has to just be a drop back quarterback and that makes it easier but obviously it's it it the third down you know those certain longs are set up by being very stout up front on first and second down and, and yeah. you saw you know, first of all, you know, yeah, Leo Chanel, Drew Tranquil, just flying to the edges on outside runs. Uh, Mm -hmm. Willie, obviously too. Willie had the big, the biggest run stop at the six yard loss on the second to last drive where it actually ended up making them punt. Um, so instead of getting a field goal there, um, potentially, um, but yeah, uh, Drew was fine, but you know, on, on those outside runs, I highlighted the fact that you know, you saw Legarrette and Trent McDuffie really be physical with those lead blocks coming out and 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 getting under them and and making them turn back inside. The whole thing with getting Raheem Mostert to the sideline is if if he if he does get able to turn that corner, you you might get in trouble. And they and they were not able to to you know they they were forcing him back inside. Where yeah, you know, Tranquil's flying and just slams him to the ground, and Leo's flying in, and like they're turning him right back into that. Like that's the corners, you know, allowing those tackles to happen. Um, so it was a great game from the the linebackers um, and and just the defensive line getting out there, too. I think uh, Charles and many who made a great play on one on one outside run where he just shoved the tackle back three yards, forced Mostert to bounce further and eventually made the tackle at the line of scrimmage. So, you know, having him that long body on early downs is going to be tough for for run uh, run plays to his side. It, it was it was a I, I you know, uh, the third down defense was probably the highlight of the defensive game but i I really feel like it was set up by super impressive physicality from the the early down d yeah
2: i saw on on twitter tony holtzman escarino said the chiefs defense has allowed three yards per play on third down this season that's the lowest total in the nfl since at least the year 2000 um that is a that's a remarkable stat you get them into third and long and you allow three yards or less on average. Yeah, that's, that's a pretty good formula for that defense.
1: Yeah, that's, that's amazing. Um, and that's the thing is they just kept getting, and I, I, it was third and 14, third and nine, third and 10. Like it was never a short third down. And mm-hmm. if you give Spags third and long all day, I mean, he is just going to go nuts. I mean, he had two, he had two different times. He got a free blitzer um, because he just, you know, he just sent four guys on one side of the formation, and like you can't do anything about that. I mean, it's uh, Spags is definitely in his in his in his bag, but I mean, you got to give credit to the individual players too for just flying around and making plays.
2: Yep, Uh Thomas Ramirez, who who got the defensive MVP in Germany? Who who you got for this this week's defensive MVP? MVP.
1: Yeah, I actually got to do uh, do it for the site uh, right after the game. It was Trent McDuffie. uh definitely. I mean, he just he had ten tackles, I think. Uh, I might have to double check that, but he led the team. And yeah, I know he was the tackle leader for the game. Um, and just like I mentioned, you know, with him and Snead, we're, we're doing very well at turning those outside runs inside. And then obviously the big uh, fumble, force fumble. You know, McDuffie was the one who got uh, who got the touchdown scored on him, right? You know, he, he kind of, you know, was out of jumped right? Yeah, it, 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 He did get turned around. And, and, there you know, there was a little bit of a, a nice, uh, you know, subtle shove, like a good play by the receiver to kind of get him some separation. So it was just a good play by the offense all around.
2: Yeah, sometimes that's going to happen. And, and that ball was thrown back uh, in, a, in a direction that he didn't expect. So it's yeah. going to happen. I, I think McDuffie probably is the right answer there. But, again, you can make a case for uh, Jalen Watson. You can make a case for, you know, Turk Morgan got a sack this week. I mean, they, there's kind yes, of sure. across the defense. Uh, so it's a little bit tough to put it on, on any one guy. Uh, I do think Willie Gay was right there. Uh, he had a first yeah. tumble, uh that was called back for a penalty. I'm sorry, a a sack that was called back penalty and a a fumble that he that Miami recovered uh, somehow. So he was still a big part of this defense, even if it didn't all hit the box score.
1: Yeah, I know that four fumbles in the fourth quarter. I mean, that could have been like a huge play. And on that same I think it was that same drive later on is when he made the six yard loss on on in the backfield. So shout out, Willie. I feel I feel like he is he is just so fun to watch against the run because he is just a missile. Uh, at the ball. I mean, they all are right now. So it really is just, they're all fun to watch.
2: So again, another thing I'm feeling from Twitter here, that wasn't necessarily a question for us, but I, I, I'm going to use it as if it were daily Dale said who here for a fact knew that the linebackers were going to be dogs (laughs) this year. I got to say, I think we kind of knew and and, and maybe it's, maybe they've been better than we thought they were going to be, but I, th- I had a feeling that if you added Drew Tranquil into this group, it is going to turn a, a, a potentially good group into a real strength of this team. And Tranquil's been every bit as good as we thought he might be and probably a little better.
1: Yeah, no, I think, I think if anything, you know, I think, yeah, I think we got to give ourselves a pat on the back. I think everybody in Chiefs, a lot of people in Chiefs Kingdom should because I think a lot of us saw that Drew Tranquil was a crazy good signing in free agency at that point, especially for what he can do. As a pass coverage linebacker, that was kind of the one thing maybe that this group didn't necessarily have was someone that was really comfortable, you know, just playing in open space and picking up routes. And and you know, Willie, as as athletic as he is, like we're learning that, man, he is a forward downhill guy. Like he, I, you know, he's still, you know, not a, you know, not the most impressive dude once he has to backpedal and and, and get kind of back in pass coverage. But no, I, I think we, I think we all knew that this was going to be a strength of the team. Um, and I think we even, I think we even were like fantasizing, like, "Oh, could we even get like Leo on the edge?" Like we're, we we mm. were almost like saying that and like not believing that it could happen, and it is happening. So shout yeah. out us! I think I think we got to give ourselves credit here.
2: Hey, it doesn't always work out as well as you think it's going to on paper, uh, but I think that group absolutely has exceeded expectations and and really been a strength of this team that we haven't seen in, in a lot of years. Um we've got a few more good questions here that I want to get to along with our predictions for the season that we talked about for the rest of the season. Um, But in the meantime, you've got our weekly game here that is sweeping the, uh, the nation as our, our friends on, on, from the other podcast uh, on our network say, Uh, but give us a, give us a question this week on predicting an NFL player that, has played for both of the next uh, two opponents.
1: Well, just play for the Eagles, uh, you know, <laughs> Chiefs, Chiefs and Eagles. Uh, I guess the bye week is a, is, a, is an opponent, yeah, exactly. right? <laughs> uh, no, a little a little crossover grid shout out that game. Still, still just a, a great football nerd game. Um, but what NFL player am I, Stags? I am an offensive lineman who started the last of my ten seasons with KC. Uh, my stops also included places like Oakland and Pittsburgh. And I I did end up a two-time champ. Who am I, Stags? We'll get to that.
0: Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team.
2: And we're back on the Out of Structure Podcast. Matt Stagner with Ron Kop Jr. Thanks for sticking with us. Ron is trying to stump me, and he may have succeeded this time with his "What NFL player am I?" Someone that played for both the Chiefs and the Eagles, the upcoming opponent here. Uh, it's an offensive lineman this time, and and that requires us to remember the names of offensive linemen, which doesn't <laughs> doesn't. It's
1: all- a memorable name, Stags. You're gonna you're gonna be upset with yourself.
2: Oh man. So, someone that played for both the Eagles and the Chiefs. And what are the other teams he played for? Uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers
1: and the Oakland Raiders. And, yes, the Oakland Raiders. It's a great name. Just a great name. Ended up a two-time Super Bowl champ Yeah, I... with with the Chiefs and Eagles. All right, Come I... on down. Stevan Wisniewski. That guy. Oh. Super Bowl Chiefs legend coming in. That's right. L- LDT gets hurt 2019. I believe that's how it went down. Uh, and and eventually he has to be the starter at guard in the Super Bowl, in the playoffs, Bringing it home for us. Shout out Stefan Wisniewski, two time right. champ.
2: Yeah, I was I was going down the Mike Rimmers, uh, and and then I was a further back, and then then I thought, wait, that's that, that can't be right. So yeah, w- well done. I think that's the first time all season that that I've been officially stumped uh, by one of Ron's questions here. Uh, let's let's move on to some other good questions here that are less likely to stomp Ron, at least. Um, Steven at Stegman 17 on Twitter every year under Spags, the defense takes a second half jump. Is it possible that they'll do that again? Is there another level over where they currently are? And if so, what would that look like?
1: Man, that's a great question, right? Because how, how much further up can they go? Um, and I do have a, I do have an answer for this, uh, you know, I think the one soft spot we can all see, and I think they did a very good job this week. So I'm not saying it was a soft spot necessarily this week until those two drives, the Dolphins did score, but is run defense, right? I think run defense at times, you know, the Denver game, right. You know, they were able to churn out, you know, long, longer drives kind of, you know, get first downs on the ground, you know, other times this year, you know, it is, it hasn't been a huge problem, obviously, but not having Nick Bolton, you know, is, is part of that And they're not going to have Nick Bolton until, you know, maybe December, I believe is what that timetable looked like. And so what would that look like to improve that? Well, I think one thing they can do is continue to kind of buy in or uh, play into these five man fronts that you see from them on, on occasion, they, Spags like to sprinkle it in on rundowns. And what you do is, is you, instead of naughty being you know between the guard and the center he is now head up over the center and now you have leo Chanel, or sometimes it's been Willie but a lot of times it's leo because he's the one that really can play up and 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 play on the edge and hold his own and run defense um we've seen it I've seen him I've seen him take on a guard and 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 shed him uh you know in terms of just coming up and and playing you know on a run play so that's they've kind of sprinkled that in I think they just need to ha- do that more and more um it'll help the run defense and the other thing too is you have the coverage in the back end to trust to kind of give yourself a little more help, you know, on first and ten and ten and, and giving maybe that extra body closer to the line of scrimmage. Your coverage has been awesome this year. You can trust Trent McDuffie, you know, to 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 not allow a huge play because maybe you don't have too high on a first and ten look, right? You can trust that Brian Cook, you know, we saw that speed. <laughs> You know, one one thing I will say, like Cook has always had some very nice range as a free safety. He can he can get around, so maybe it shouldn't have been as surprising that he was able to turn on the burners like that. And so, yeah, I just think with the DBs playing well too, I think you can kind of trust them to maybe play with a little with a you know one man down on early downs on first and ten if a team is really attacking you that like the Eagles will. Right? I think this game is especially a game you need to do a lot more five man fronts, even though they can attack you with AJ Brown, Devontae Smith you also just don't i mean you can't allow them to just you know run the crap out of the ball. It's going to be an interesting game. I'm excited for that one. But all that to say, put Leo get, play Leo more. Put him more up on the line of scrimmage as that fifth defensive lineman. But also that gives you you're also not just having five defensive linemen out there, right? You can be more flexible if the if the offense has to take advantage of you playing closer to the line of scrimmage. But I would like to see you know, them just play more five man fronts. And, and sorry, and the last point too with Naughty again, Naughty is just a better player when he's when he's head up on the on the center. That's why I wanted to mention that. Because mm. that's what he did in college. That's what he did kind of his first few years when Bob Sutton was here. He is he is a two-gapping guy that's gonna that wants to control a block and then shed and, and read because he's a smart player. He's not as good as absorbing doubles teams, and that's what you kind of do in the normal spags fronts. So I think doing the five man fronts actually elevates a few players on your defense.
2: Can't argue with that. I, I was going to say, if you want to fix the run defense, they just need to bring up MV Pennell uh, off of the practice score. Yes, yes. <laughs> Love it. it. I mean, you, you do think there's there's a little bit of weakness at the bottom of the depth chart on the defensive linemen, uh, Pharrell, mm-hmm. Dickerson, you know, th- those guys you're not getting a ton of production out of. And, and I also think when it comes to the pass rush, there's still upside there. Uh, Felix Ananduke Uzama has not gotten off the ground yet. B.J. Thompson, obviously, has not played uh, basically at all yet. You've got a couple of players here that could be, you know, future speed rushers that could add another element to this to this already pretty solid pass rush. Um, right. That might be another another level, another gear that they could start sending guys just screaming around the edge, uh, and and let the the guys in the middle close it close it out. I mean, that that could be that could be pretty fun if they dial up the pressure even more.
1: Yeah. No, I like that. I like that answer too. Cause I, I do think we've only seen two games of Charles and Menahue, right? Like we, we haven't seen Spags fully, you know, uh, weaponize him with Jones at the same time. But yeah, I just think overall, I think the defense is playing so well, really what improvement would look like down the stretch of the season. I mean, it's not going to be something super noticeable, but I do think, I do think they could elevate and be an even better defense by the uh, the playoffs.
2: Yeah, they can force more turnovers. They can do, you know. Yeah, that's more a good than what we did this week. Yeah, there, there's turnovers lots turnovers is a good. There's one. lots of little things on the margins they can improve. I mean, if this question were about the offense, obviously we've got a little a little bit more we can talk about. Uh, even the special teams. Uh, Jake uh, Jack Tripper says, "Why is Hardman catching the ball at the five yard line, putting the offense in the hole?" Um, it's 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 been bad. But it's not. It hasn't just been him. It's been everybody they've tried to punt returners. I, I don't. Again, we talked. We said this last week. It's inexplicable. I don't. I don't know why the Chiefs can't field punts uh, cleanly and, and make the right decisions there. It, it just for the guru that Dave Tobe is. The punt returners have sure been kind of bad in in, in a lot of situational stuff. Yeah, and and he says why is Harmon allowed?
1: Uh, well you know, Tobe, you know, kind of gave him an excuse this last week, but – or the, you know, the the Denver game. But this last week, I don't know if Tobe will, will be kind of digging him out for that. He caught it at the one-yard line. Like, it would have – like, it would have landed in the end zone. Like, I, yeah. I just didn't understand. Like, I mean, unless – I mean, there was no one even coming either. Like, I just – and maybe Especially that's like
2: – Fumbling that one. Yeah. and 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 admitting, hey, I just got greedy there um i think basically that's the only reason you would field one at the one yard line is to try to get your gritty again
1: yeah Um, you're down uh, and like desperate for a play yeah
2: yeah making the same mistake twice they were up they
1: were up by seven points (laughs) yeah like the last
2: thing the team needed
1: was like yeah some like miracle play on punt return like yeah they needed the most conservative play possible on that return yeah i don't know i don't know if I don't know if Tobes going to excuse him for that one. I think that one was was pretty good. Maybe bad. the
2: answer is just not to have any returners anymore. Just let the ball fall where it falls. And Let's do it. Can, and go from <laughs> there. Uh Thomas Ramirez again, why can't they put Kadarius Tony and Rashid Rice on the field together more often? It's a good question cuz I actually think I like kind of,
1: you know, a little bit of, of how they could be used together cuz they kind of can be interchangeable. I think they're both very good playmakers after the catch, right? I think they've both shown that in their different ways. Rice is just like a – I keep comparing him like a horse. But, man, when he gets going, man, it's just – he gallops and, and he gets an open field. And he's – you know, he makes speed cuts down the field quickly. But Tony obviously can can make guys miss, can make the most out of nothing in small, small areas. They're both slot receivers, so it might be one of the reasons, right? Like, you know, right now they're both utilized the most in the slot. And they also have Sky Moore to use in the slot. Travis Kelsey, the line in the slot. I mean, they have so many slot options. Um, I think that could be one reason why. But they do need to use both of them just out on the perimeter more as true receivers. I mean, we've seen Tony go up and snag, you know, true receiver routes downfield. I mean, Rice, that was something he did, uh, you know, at, at SMU well. And, and we just really haven't seen them try to utilize it here. So it is because they kind of play a similar position a lot of times, but I really like the idea of them being on the field together and kind of being interchangeable. So the defense doesn't really know, you know, Hey, which one's going to be used, uh, which way on, on a given play. So it's a good question, Thomas, for sure.
2: Yeah. I think we'll, we'll get to that a little bit more as we talk about our suggestions for the second half, but Ed Halinski uh, gave me a chance to use a prop that I've never used before on air. And this is going to be great for all you listening uh, at home that are not on the YouTube. Uh, but Ed asks us to look into the crystal ball. And I happen to have one here on my desk nice. and tell us how the final eight games of the season, the regular season we're going to, ch- are going to play out. Uh, will the chiefs run the table uh, or what is their record going to be? So let's just go game by game for the rest of the Chiefs' schedule in the regular season. And, and we'll do a quick prediction and we'll see what this, uh, see what this baby turns out here. You wanna go
1: like you wanna go uh each? Like we each say the, the win or loss right up like for each game.
2: Yeah, that's that's fine. Let's go uh Philadelphia Eagles, Kansas City Chiefs. Uh my massive Monday night game coming up here. Super Bowl rematch. Uh what do you got?
1: All right, yeah, everyone's gonna kill me, but I I, I do have the Eagles coming in and, and, and beating us here. So I'm gonna I'm gonna give I'm gonna take 0 and one so far for the rest of the year.
2: Yeah, I, I'm with you on that one. I think this is a really tough matchup and a completely loaded Eagles team. Uh, you know, the Chiefs have to play a really, really top-end game plan in order to win this game, and I'm just not sure they're going to pull that out against an NFC opponent uh, at this time uh, of the season. So yeah, right. Uh, the following week is Chiefs at Raiders. Tougher game than it than it sounds,
1: but uh, they'll they'll get the win. It'll be a nice bounce back opportunity.
2: Agreed. The next week,
1: Chiefs at Packers. This will be a fun, uh, maybe a little more challenging than you'd think, too. Um, but I, I think they'll go into Green Bay Sunday night, be a little mo- motivated in prime time, and, and have a, a good game.
2: I think that's a pretty comfortable win as well. Uh, the next week, Buffalo comes to town.
1: Give me the win here. I, I think I think Buffalo is just too vulnerable right now on defense, and the Chiefs Chiefs know how to beat them already on defense. They just like they've already owned them. Now, them being banged up and not having their guys like it, it might, I, I can see the Chiefs really having a game here. Uh, hopefully, the offense is kind of rolling at that point.
2: All right, I'm, I'm gonna be Debbie Downer on this one. I'm giving them a loss at uh, Buffalo at home. Uh, it's just one of those regular season games where we'll see who's most motivated at, at that point in time, but uh, you know, that's a team that could come out and put up a whole ton of points and, and, and make it a tough one. So uh, I'm going to, I'm just going to give them a loss on that one. And we'll move to the chiefs at Patriots. This is
1: a win. I mean, our, I, I can't wait for this game for our defense uh, against Mac Jones, or maybe if it's not Mac Jones, but whoever uh, that is. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. yeah I agree. Uh, Raiders at chiefs on Christmas day.
1: Oh yeah. Big win right here. This'll be, this'll be a fun one. Hopefully, Absolutely. hopefully some snow. Yeah. So yeah, this is a win.
2: Uh, how about the Bengals coming to town on New Year's Eve? This one's tough.
1: Um, I'm going to say win, though. I, I I believe Chiefs at home get it done.
2: I've got them winning on this one as well, um, even though I think this is probably a tougher game than that Bills game. But it, it's, um, you know, closing out the season strong, getting to the, where they want to be in the division and, and the, the AFC, uh, although the Chiefs, January seventh game against the Chargers to close it out. What do you think?
1: No, I I I could see the Chargers being you know in the in the mix here, and you know even if the Chiefs need this win, I, I could definitely see the Chargers. I'm going to say the Chargers beat them here, desperation mode, trying to get into the postseason. You know, I know the Charger the Chiefs you know beat them pretty good the first time, but we know this te- these teams are always very close each game, and I mean it wasn't as you know the Chargers were in that game more than than it seemed um because the Chiefs often stalled in the second half. It's just the Chargers couldn't get anything going, but I do see the Chargers as that as a team that's going to, uh, you know, threaten in the, threaten to make the playoffs late and kind of, you know, make a final push. But it's because they set themselves back so far in the first place, and, and it's because they're not that good a team. But it's still yeah. a division opponent.
2: I hate it when we agree too much. I've got this one as a loss as well. Oh, man, I thought home. I was
1: going to get you on that. Yeah. So I
2: think we both ended uh, with a 12-5 and record. Is that right?
1: Uh, no, I have them beating Buffalo, so I should have one less loss than you.
2: Okay. All right. So I've got 12 and five. You've got 13 and four uh, by the end of this season. Neither of us think that they'll probably run the table. Uh, Not that they can't, but this team so far hasn't been consistent enough to put together a string of consecutive, complete team, complete games. Um, 13 and four, 12 and five probably puts you in the winning the division, but maybe not that number one overall seed in the AFC. Uh, so, is there a chance that there's a road playoff game in Patrick Mahomes' future?
1: I know, right? That it'd be cool once we get there, um, but I don't want to. I don't want to do that. I'd, I'd rather just have the comfort of of, of home, of, of home cooking, you know, playing, playing at playing Arrowhead. Uh, still, so
2: <laughs> yeah. Well, our guy Mark Gunnel's asked, with the bye week upon us, what's the confidence level in the Chiefs repeating as Super Bowl champs? So let me say it this way: I,
1: I, I'm not, you know, super high on on it happening, just because of probabilities. First of all, like, hey, it is super hard to win the Super Bowl back to back years, but also because of teams like the Ravens, teams like the Bengals coming on strong. You know, Burrow looks all the way back, and that team's all of a sudden, uh, you know, uh, threatening again. I just think this AFC is tough, man, and you know it's going to be hard to win, you know, two, three straight games, especially if they don't get that one seed. So right now, you know, I. I if I'm not projecting the Chiefs to get that one seed, which I, I am not, um, I, I I do think uh, I, I think another team is going to bring get it out, this, uh, take it out this year. So I'm 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 not super high on the confidence.
2: So what's what's not super high for you? Sixty percent, fifty percent?
1: I don't know. Probably number stags. I'm not. A, you know, <laughs> that's, that's a lot of that's a, statistics. You thought you think I took that in college? Uh, no, I actually did take statistics in college, and I would probably <laughs> say a little above fifty-fifty at sixty or so. Right? It's still Mahomes, but I'm just saying. I, I, I'm fully prepared to to kind of see another one of these AFC teams kind of emerge because you know it, it it happens, right? It's just part of it's football.
2: Yeah, there, there's another uh, a quote I saw on Twitter. Birdlaw expert said. I know it's not what we expected the season to look like. I'm, I'm extrapolating here, but Mahomes plus Reed plus Kelsey plus a top five defense—that's like pretty good, right? And and that's a formula that, that can win in the playoffs. I, I think I might be, even though I'm lower on the regular season, uh, I feel like this is a team that's going to get better as they go along, and they're going to come into their own in the playoffs and and let it rip. And and there may be. Games where this defense keeps them in it um, and, and they have a chance to win. So uh, give me like a 70 percent confidence level uh, of, of getting back to the Super Bowl again. You know, obviously anything could happen. It is a tough field this year, but uh, I'm going to stay optimistic for now.
1: Yeah, I, I think the thing here is that, like, if the Chiefs don't win a Super Bowl, I think you it's fair to criticize Mahomes, Andy Reid, whoever, for not getting it done with this defense, because, like, this is the best defense they have had, and so I think it is fair that, like, the expectations are obviously still Super Bowl. Yeah. I just think that, you know, it's its the NFL, and, and, and probabilities say that there's probably going to be another team that comes out this year.
2: Yeah, and you pointed out earlier, it may be the wide receivers that come back to bite you by, by the end of the season. They've got to have somebody step up and continue to step up, whether that's uh, you know Rasheed Rice or or Sky Moore, Kadarius Tony. Like I don't really care who it is, but like yeah, right. They, there's got to be somebody they can throw the ball to as they as they go on that playoff run. Well, I thought for for a, a final segment here before the bye week, it'd be a lot of fun to talk about our suggestion for the second half again. I know the Chiefs are very interested in this segment, and they're going to be hanging on every word that Ron and I have to say uh, for how to change things up in the second half. Uh, give me your first suggestion for the Chiefs to make some changes coming out of the bye that could put them in a, in a good position for the second half of the season.
1: Yeah, I mean, the first thing, honestly, that comes to mind, and it's honestly the last two games have really solidified it. So it is a little recency bias, so he could bounce back. But I really feel like MBS needs to needs – to work down on the on the receiver uh lineup rotation right he needs to be way further down in my opinion he needs to be maybe like the you know situational deep threat that plays 10 12 15 snaps a game not the guy leading the room in receiver snaps in my opinion just because he he has not proven that he can make tough catches downfield which teams are forcing the chiefs to you know, make those like they're not giving any open windows on downfield throws. That's the only place MBS really gets thrown to for the most part. And even when he does get thrown intermediate, he's fumbled the ball right after he got he he caught it. He's he's made two drops um that I highlighted on Twitter recently where he just isn't strong going to the ball. And then obviously in this last game, you know, the vertical uh shot down the field on third down. Hey, it was a good play by the corner but you have to like go up and get it, dude. Like you can't, he, he just had his hands laid out. Like there was no one there. Like no one was in his way to like, the ball was just going of magically go through the corners. Like I just, that kind of stuff drives me crazy as a downfield receiver. Like, yeah, the speed is, is nice. And like, you know, he does like, he probably does like get to the right spots and stuff, but at some point, you know, you have to go up and get it. And I just feel like he never does. And Justin Watson does, uh, and and Mahomes clearly likes throwing to him more. Uh, he has he's had Justin Watson has had thirteen deep targets this year. MBS has had seven. MBS has played a hundred more snaps than Justin Watson, mm. and the only time MBS has really had success uh, uh, down the field is when Justin Watson was hurt against the Chargers. So it's like <laughs> at some point it just needs to be Justin Watson playing those MBS snaps and MBS needing to be kind of a you know throwing whenever.
2: All right, so. I, I might take that same suggestion and just expand it and say, let's consolidate the wide receiver snaps and figure out yeah. who's your top three guys and really focus on getting them the ball a number of times every single game. This one or two targets a game for seven different receivers is just not working out very well for them right now at all. Right. For whatever reason, whether it's those guys need volume, whether it's a, a comfort level, whether it's whatever. Uh, it is is really coming to the point where they just don't have as deep a group, I think, as they thought they did. Or or maybe again, it's just been them throwing stuff at the wall to see what sticks. But eventually you got to get down to where who's your core wide receivers? Who do you focus on and feature in the wide receiver room? To me, you feature Rasheed Rice, number one. That's your wide receiver one of, of the wide receiver group, and then you figure out really intentional ways to get Kadaria Stoney and Sky Moore yes. involved in the way that, that they get involved. And again, like you said, maybe Justin Watson as well. But consolidating that wide receiver group and finding who's coming out of that, that's got to be job number one for the second half of the season.
1: Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. Just the overall receiver room tightening up. I totally agree with that. Um, I'll give you another one for the offense. Uh, I, it's it's kind of a small, it's an un- underrated one. Um, but one of the most underrated differences between last year and this year with the offense is is how little they throw out of their heavier personnel sets, right? You know, last year they were by far the best team in the NFL, and and really just uh, you know made big plays and and big moments uh, with thirteen personnel, three tight end sets, and and throwing big plays out of them to Jody Fortson, to Noah Gray, to Travis Kelsey. This year. Just the simple fact that Blake Bell is that third tight end instead of Jody Fortson has just completely taken that off the table for them. Um, He is just so slow. Uh, He is a great blocker. Honestly, he really is. I mean, he's, he's the fullback. He really is, but that's the thing. He is, it is a fullback running that third tight end instead of Jody Fortson, the former wide receiver who, you know, has made great plays, uh, you know, in the limited time he was in the NFL. So yeah, I, I think that's one big thing. So my suggestion would be, just, just give your guys on the practice squad a little bit of a shot. You know, Matt Bushman made some grabs in the preseason. Anybody else Uh, there? uh, You know, there's, you know, there's another guy, you know, you could just give him a little, just a little shot. (laughs) No, I, 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 but to be serious though, I, Matt Bushman and Garrett Prince, who's my guy, but they were both brought into the NFL because they are receiving threats at the position, not because they're, you know, blockers or anything. And, Yes, you might be sacrificing that on those plays, but like it would just be nice to at least try it. You know, use one of your standard elevations, one game. Just and it could be the Packers Raider. You know, like not it doesn't have to be a big game, but just try and see if if you can maybe get a little more op- open space going on those plays, and and maybe you know once we get in the playoffs, it'll be a, a better wrinkle for them and and my boys. You know, catching those Jody and touchdowns. Not a
2: bad suggestion. I will say Noah Grace look better this week than than I've seen him in in, in a little bit. Uh, And I think he's somebody that they can continue to build around uh, with some, with some passing targets. Uh, But yeah, that third tight end, it does feel like a a kind of a black hole for the, for the offense right now. Um, You know, all of our suggestions are going to be on the offense, frankly, or or most of (laughs) them. Um, So let me, let me deviate from that and say, how about on special teams? We just talked about a little bit ago, you've got to find some answers to be to clean up the special teams and and have it be, you know, a smart field position approach to the game that, that, you know, maybe give up on the idea of special teams touchdowns. And and let's just, let's just start playing, playing smart and conservative on special teams when it comes to uh, the, the return game. So I'm going to throw that out there again. Maybe it's no returner. maybe it's, put Justin Watson back out there and just let him fair catch every time, whatever it takes, um, solidify the special team. So that it's not costing them games it, just from the return game.
1: Yeah. Justin Watson back there is a good option to me. Let's just do that. I, I don't mind it. I mean, he's, he's, he's as reliable as it gets at the, at the position. You might as well, <laughs> you might as well put him that punt returner.
2: Well, back to the offense real quick, you know, I'm going to harp on this every single week until it's, until it's reality. Uh this offense, other than Mahomes and Kelsey, the, that aside, this offense should be centered around Pacheco and Rasheed Rice. Isaiah Pacheco, Rasheed Rice, that's the future of this offense. That's who you need to be building around. To me, that means put Pacheco in situations where he can win. Maybe it's more gap power stuff. Maybe it's yes. uh, less predictable stuff. Maybe it's getting him the ball as a receiver, which he's shown he can do in very limited opportunities. Uh, whatever that is screen game you know there's all kinds of things you can do there get creative with pacheco find ways to get him the ball and let him be the spark plug of this offense and then make Rasheed rice your featured receiver whether it's down the field contestant catches uh run after catch uh there's there's very specific strengths that he has that you can build around uh and and they very they're very complementary to what travis kelsey does so to me, build the offense around that trio. Kelsey, Pacheco, Rice, those are your guys. Everybody else is complimentary.
1: Yeah, I I, I totally agree. Cause Pacheco, you know, he is a he he is a workhorse back. He can take all of that work and still, you know, be you know, running hard at the end of the game. So you might as well really use that man, because he's much better than you know anyone else they're gonna put back there at this point. Mm-hmm. And so like just don't even like just and I know you want to conserve him. I understand that. And and yes, maybe it is, you know, maybe I'm being, you know, like, hey, there's nine games to go into the playoffs and we do need Pacheco to, to be alive. We can't just run him into the ground. But it's not about the volume. Like you said, it's about the it's using him on better types of plays like gap runs, like power counter. Um, he's just so much better. And the offensive line is too. the offensive line is much better right now blocking those plays um, than zone run. And that's the most offensive lines. I mean, because because it's a it's a. Easier, more direct play, but yeah, I love that suggestion. Would, would definitely want Rice and Pacheco to, to just get all as many touches as as the team uh, allows them to get.
2: Yeah, it's it's interesting because we as we talk through all these things, that it just came to my mind as you as you just said, are they saving a lot for the very end of the season, the stretch run, the playoffs? Are they, yeah. are they trying to preserve Pacheco's health? Are they, are they trying to preserve? Kadarius Tony for for a stretch run right. is, he in, is he essentially in bubble wrap right now getting one touch a game and then they bring him out unleash him in the playoffs some some dastardly plan that that uh, uh, that Andy Reid is hatching to to bring out some some nastiness in the playoffs it's possible um, I think yeah. that's a risky strategy in some ways like you got to get there you know and you got to get there with uh, with a good enough record to to get that first round by ideally or at least get a, a home game or two. So, you know, they can't hold too much back, but uh, I'm willing to say maybe there's an element of this offense that we haven't seen yet on for a strategic reason rather than just neglect. Yeah,
1: no, exactly. I, I think that's a very fair case. It's something that, you know, I I used to kind of maybe like uh, brush off or not take it seriously, you know, back in the Alex Smith days, you know, I really thought, all right, guys, like, is he really saving stuff for the playoffs? Like we're like he needs to win every game to make the playoffs. But it is, I mean, and he probably was doing it then too, like because he's that he's that smart of a coach and he's been around he was you know, then he was been around that long. But especially when you've been and where the Chiefs have been, where you've been to the AS the Super Bowl as many times and the AS they know how this goes, they know how to map this out and they absolutely are know that they have to save some stuff that added wrinkle because they've been running the same stuff for five years now I mean defenses know this offense from its core like the base of it right now it's a matter of changing up the tendencies changing up when how what you're calling Um, but at the base of it I mean this offense has been you know being defended for five six years now and so you do have to be careful you know kind of showing too many of your cards so it's a good call
2: well, all of that plays into your final suggestion, I think, which was around play calling. And, and I think we've touched on it with gap versus zone. We've touched on it with being creative about using your backs. We've touched on it with holding something back and, and uh, really building towards the end of the season. But do you have another beef with the play calling you wanted to, to get them to sort out?
1: No, I just, yeah, we kind of have, have touched on it, That just, that they do not need to be more strategic down the stretch with their play calling, not just, Hey, let's just roll out what we got like they typically do. And a lot of times it it gets them to, you know, the 12, the 10, 11, 12 wins that they, that Andy averages every year in the NFL. But if they want to be the one seed this year, they're probably going to need 13, 14 wins. And I don't think they get there unless they have concerted play calling every, you know, pretty much every big game, uh, you know, and and a lot of times they do that down the stretch, but, I don't know. Andy just has this tendency to, to kind of again, I, I know what I run. I like what I run. I'm just going to run it. I don't really care how you run your defense. I'm just going to do my thing. Everyone, you know, in the big games, you'll see him, you know, adjust and and make make his offense kind of attack where the defense is is most vulnerable. I just we need to see more of that in the regular season before the postseason if they want to be playing at Arrowhead all the way through the playoffs.
2: Well, it's a great place to wrap up for this week, heading into the bye. Uh, I know we'll be on the beach next week as we talk, probably just like all you will. (laughs) We'll be uh, we'll be back next week on the bye week to talk a little bit about some uh, other um, predictions. I mean, we might even look back at what we did preseason from a prediction standpoint, see how it's played out so far this season. So definitely stick with us on the Out of Structure podcast every week. Great review. Subscribe to the whole Arrowhead Pride podcast network and definitely check out the site. Ron and team have put out a lot of good content on arrowheadpride.com. So we certainly appreciate you all listening, reading, hanging out with us today, and, and we'll talk to you again next week.